Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and soulfulliving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. I wanted to start out by saying, Jen, and the, congratulations. Thank you. Because I will say, I have here with me Dr. Jennifer Gardella, who just published um, Domestic Violence Awareness, Whispers of Abuse. Beautiful <laughs> book. I'm so, so impressed because starting a book is actually very common. Finishing a book is not and now we know, now I know why. <laughs> I bet. And I think when it's loaded with em emotional subtext, I would think it would have to be that much harder. Um, so I want to say also, I introduced you as Dr. Jennifer Gardella. Your book, you know, you have expertise, but also it's a personal story. It is. It's the story of a survivor the story of a survivor and you in this instance are a survivor and I will just start out by saying I know when I write sometimes I struggle with well this doesn't really say it you know when you have such a big um experience that kind of uses all of your parts it's hard to gather that because it's almost like words aren't enough I sometimes think that's why I think that's why music exists in the world and art exists because sometimes words aren't enough. Right. So can I say what prompted you to actually put pen to paper or maybe not, maybe that's old fashioned. <laughs> right. Fingers to keyboard. Um, so last year at the start of domestic violence awareness month, uh, so October 1st, I woke up and I said, this month I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference this year. I'm not letting this opportunity pass me by. And every day I woke up and posted something on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, that I had learned during my healing journey after I had escaped domestic violence. And the reason was because, and my whole premise for my advocacy is, you have to listen for the whispers of domestic violence, hence the name of my book. So we are so used to looking for domestic violence, broken bones, bruises, caked on makeup, covering a black eye, that we miss the psychological and emotional components of domestic violence that many of the experts actually say are more dangerous. And so I just wanted people to know about things like isolation. He ruins the holidays. He is what's trauma bonding. We don't know about these things. And so the, uh, really what I did was I created another full-time job for myself. The comments, the questions, the raw sentiment of so many people writing in publicly, even on the posts themselves, but the text, the phone calls, everyone had either a story, knew a friend, and were 
they were passing along the information. At the end of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, a therapist friend reached out and said, hey, where are you getting the content for all of this? I need it for my clients. Nothing like this exists. And I said, it's mine. And Mary Fran Bontempo, who you know very well, one of yes. my best friends on the planet, heard that story and said, publish it. But it didn't just end there because when you're a survivor of something like domestic violence and you start to write, you think that every story is important. You, It's almost impossible to pick out the best story, right? Or the most impactful because there are literally thousands of them. So the book did swell and contract. And then I went on Mary Fran, Mary Fran and Kristen Smedley, they have their podcast, Brilliantly Resilient. And we decided beforehand we were going to announce that I was writing a book due out in the fall because that would kick me. And then I was given a huge marketing opportunity at the in the middle of August. And I said, this thing's going to get out. And Mary Fran read it and she was like, eh. <laughs> like, you know, MFB. So she was like, you know, it's good, but there's a lot of therapy in here. Uh, you need to really put in the um, advice that you have for victims to help themselves, but also for their support teams. She really challenged me to make sweeping changes to it, which I did. And then I had to hire a formatter and then it got done. So it's not just do, 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 do and publish. Uh, it yeah. was a process. You know, that opens up so many questions to me. And I may have asked you this in the past, Jen, because you are a a repeat podcast guest, which a I'm repeat so excited about. <laughs> a, re a repeat. But where did you get the courage to share this? You know, even from the, even before the book. Yeah. So that is a great question. Um, and I, I think I shared this the last time you and I talked on your podcast. I didn't know that I was living in domestic violence. One friend had mentioned it and I was like, no way is that. The, so what if he ruined Christmas? Mm -hmm. That's not abuse. He's just angry at his ex-wife. Um, but I didn't know it was domestic violence until, and actually when I was applying for a restraining order, I did not acknowledge that it was domestic violence. And I did, don't want to say I fought with, but I resisted counseling from a woman's place when they suggested trauma therapy, because even though I was in crisis counseling and crying with them on the phone in fear, I was completely unwilling to admit that it was domestic violence. Two reasons. I was unwilling to admit it. This couldn't be happened to me. But on the other side, it was I wasn't being hit. And what I wanted to know, what I want people to know is, like I said before, domestic violence is so much more than broken bones and bruises. And we just don't acknowledge that. And if it happened, I always say, if it happened to me, I have a PhD in educational psychology, not real psychology, but ed psychology. So I've been around the psychology world a long time. We don't talk about this stuff. And so that's yeah. why I, I have the book. I, and I do believe, and I understand that you had John Satin on your show and Chris mm -hmm. Pate. Yes. And I remember I was working with John for in their Quantum Leap program. And we were talking about the relationship that I was in. I was in what I thought was marriage counseling by myself. That's a big indication if you're going to marriage counseling by yourself, by the way. But I was there for marriage counseling, allegedly. And he said, and I remember John Satin said to me, 
the universe saw this relationship mixing together and said, boy, is this going to be a wild ride. And in hindsight, as I look back on that, and I don't remember his exact words, so he would probably say, well, I didn't say that exactly. And that sure is true. But this is going to be the cataclysmic spark to do several things, to heal Jen from what she needs to heal from. And possibly she has a big enough mouth that she can then get the word out there. And I couldn't sit silent anymore. And I wasn't embarrassed. There was there's shame about what happened and how I allowed it to affect my children. But there's incredible power to know that I'm giving people hope that if you escape, do the work, you can rebuild your life. And I didn't have that when I was in domestic violence. And so that's what I'm not like, oh my God, look, I can be like Jen, isn't that fantastic? I'm not saying that I have this phenomenal life. I mean, I do think I do, but not it's not for everybody. But that's where I kind of dug down and found all that courage that people talk about because it's a big story that needs to be told. Yeah. And you know, I found myself sharing with a friend some of your words from the last time we talked, which were it's hard and I did share with her it wasn't like you left and then you could skip out the door and go on to you know happier times right away right and I think that that helped my friend to understand Mm -hmm. hey there's there's going to be some couch time because she was actually not she was thinking hey I've got to you know I've got things to do (laughs) And I think it's really important what you said about, you know, you had sadness and grief and pain. A lot of it, right? You are, I mean, the first thing is, you know, you're out and you are madly in love with your abuser because you're trauma bonded to him. I talk about that in the book. You know, he has convinced you that it's all your fault. You've lived on scraps of love. And you're mad. I was, well, again, I was just madly in love with him. That was a huge part of the problem. I'm also alone. My kids went back to college and I was alone. And I was like, I didn't sign up for this. This is crazy. And then one of his best friends actually said to me, he didn't love you. He loved controlling you. And I was like, wait, wait, what? So then I had to start to mourn the loss of a relationship that I pretty much made up in my head. And the Mm. saying goodbye to a man that didn't exist. I always gave him the possibility for, oh, he has such potential, kind of like, and he would show me, again, scraps of it. Yeah. So then you're mourning that. Plus, as and I always tell this story, you know, the good folks at a woman's place were amazing, but they're very clear in that there's something that allowed you inside of you that was unhealed, some wound that drove you to the abuser and then you stayed there. And it's this magical thing, Amanda, called boundaries. Mm. I didn't have them. I let, I was a people pleaser. I let people run all over me. And I, you know, his way had to be the the best way. And I had no thoughts. I had no opinion that was better than his. And so you do all this insanely painful work. And then the good folks over at a woman's place said, you know, you're probably ready for something called EMDR, which is a specialized therapy for trauma victims to, and it reduces the emotional response to traumatic events. So traumatic events sit on top of your psyche like pond scum 
and not a lot can get through there. They kind of block. That's a very simplistic. I'm sure that. No, right. No, that that's a great explanation. Yeah. And so EMDR is a process that removes the pond scum. Well, you have to go back in and revisit the memories with your trained yeah. EMDR. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I yeah. really don't want to do that. And, and we did it. it. That was transformational for me as well. That's really powerful. You know, you're bringing up this quote and I'll probably misquote, but Glennon Doyle has a quote that says something like, life isn't hard because you're doing it wrong. It's hard because you're doing it right. And that's what you're kind of expressing. You know, we spend, we spend a lot of time as human beings bobbing and weaving our way out of pain, oh. you know? And I think what I'm also learning from hearing, from reading your book, which is really beautifully done, Jen, and from talking to you is that, you know, there are rewards that you will never access unless you take that journey through pain. And that kind of sucks. <laughs> and yet it is the way. And I think it's also important that you are such an accomplished, you're a doctor, you're very articulate. You're somebody who nobody would ever look at you and say, oh, she's got a boundary problem. I don't think anybody would, you know, and I think it gives other people permission to look at themselves because there's some weird thing where we just don't want anybody to see a vulnerability. And yet we're all human. Thus, we're all vulnerable. It's kind of crazy. Exactly. There's nothing. And also... There's nothing wrong with the, in a relationship. And I've learned this because now I'm in a relationship where you say, hey, I'm going to work all night. I don't say this, by the way, I'm too old to be working all night. But, right. you know, hey, I <laughs> right. need to put in five hours on the weekend or, you know, I'm speaking at the Montgomery County Bar Association. You got the dog after dinner tonight, whatever it is. Sure. And, your part, and you need to find a partner who supports the crazy, right? Like I say- yeah. You know, my partner looked, came in and Jim looked at my vision board for the first time. And I was like, look, I know it looks wacky. If you can't handle a chick with this big of a vision, and I don't know how I'm going to get there. But if you can't handle this, this isn't going to work because my last partner couldn't handle the fact that I even wanted to have a business. I'm not really sure how I was supposed to pay my share of the bills, but I need to be allowed to be me. Yeah. All of the crazy and all of the wonderful that goes into that. And I'm happiest yeah. when I'm there. And that is one of the yes. things that I have learned. So we have some really, I want to say strict boundaries. I mean, they're not concrete blocks that we put up, but like, hey, this is what I need to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you have, um, even before you became part of this relationship, did you articulate inside or internally or in any way, you know, what am I looking for or what are traits that are a yeah, okay. And what are traits that are a no way? Yes. So I'll just tell the story and you can share with your uh, listeners what you want. So I was in therapy with a woman's place doing trauma therapy and I was in a really, really good space. And we decided that it was okay for me to try to start dating. It was not okay for me to start dating because listen mm. to what happened. So I attracted a very, very nice man with a slight, let's just say, drinking problem. <laughs> so a very, but kind, 
yeah. was not abusive at all. Yeah. A, an abuser of a different color, as I like to say. Mm. Right. And I went, this isn't working. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, she's getting out of the relationship. This is healing for Jen. She's not going to try to save him. She's not going to try to fix him. Uh, this is phenomenal. Uh, but something was still off. You know, if you believe in the powers of the universe, you attract what you want. So I actually, um, I started a book at the suggestion of a friend called Calling in the One by Catherine Woodward Thomas. This is how much I believe in this book. I will actually promote it other places. And it is 47 days or 49 days to calling in the love of your life. And if you commit, and I went full into the 49 days, and I popped out with a feeling that I wanted someone who makes me feel like I am home and that I am enough. And that I have a crazy life and he has a crazy life and they fit together like this. There's no, we're doing things for my world or we're doing things for, there's none of that. It's just all, but we can each have our separate lives at the same time. And I wanted them to just fit in. And I will share that um, after about day 35, I wound up finding my dog at a shelter. This is the crazy, and I named him Henry McCord after my ideal character on television. And I was on match.com. Again, I didn't really need to find somebody, but put it out to the universe that you want to attract somebody like open for business, but being very careful at the same time. And if you know anything about Henry McCord on Madam Secretary, he was a religion professor, arm candy, totally supported her in her crazy. She falls off her yoga mat. He has to hide the chocolate. I am her. And I actually found a religion professor. <laughs> so that is amazing. Yeah, because I think now that you're reminding me, it's Tim Daly, right? It is Tim Daly. That's his name, <laughs> right? So I have a dog named Henry. Oh, I love it. After Tim Daly. So I that's what but my point is I got so yeah. crystal clear. And then wow. here's, here's the magic secret I was also okay being alone. Yeah. It was better to be alone than with the wrong person because I had been with the wrong person and that was very painful to me. And you talked about, you know, the, the time period of healing. I also knew that I wasn't going to get it right this time, but I was committed to healing it. This was never going to happen to me again, where I was going to get absorbed into someone's life and they were going to rip mine down around me. Oh my gosh. That is really that could be the start of your next book, I have to say. <laughs> Uh-oh, here um, we go. <laughs> that's right. I see a series. <laughs> um, so what, you know, are your plans for the book? Is it is it that you, well, let you, you answer. I don't know why I have this tendency, Jen, to start to tell people what I think their plan should be. Well, the first plan is, and I am so grateful that you've had me on because it's to talk to people like you and inspire your listeners to start to listen for the whispers of abuse. So my plan and all of my advocacy work focuses on, again, get away from this idea that domestic violence has to look like broken bones and bruises and can actually be more dangerous. The Like I said, the psychological and emotional abuse and the financial abuse that a victim goes through. Mm. So spread the word. Um, what, you know, I'm sure Gail King is going to call me shortly after this and say, yes. oh my gosh, I saw you on Amanda's podcast and yes. you've got to come on the morning show, right? So have getting into a bigger audience would be great. 
I also though have on my vision board, a picture of my ideal literary agent, because there is, as you alluded to, possibly a series here, but definitely a memoir and a memoir that just doesn't talk about, this is what happened to me, right? I don't really want to talk about him anymore. He's not only awful, but he's really damn boring. Like abusers are boring people. When you do the work and you find out that they all do the same thing, you realize they're actually not that special after all. It will be the healing, my healing journey though. And really talk about how after you do this level of healing, it's the greatest transformation of your life, but you got to be willing to do it. But I would really like to do that with a bigger publishing contract, I think. Yeah. And (laughs) You know, what's interesting is you're just pointing out John's wisdom and that he was just a tool, you know, Uh, a tool in many senses of the word, but a tool for your growth, which is phenomenal. And I like that you put the word whisper in the title. I think that's so powerful because it allows people the information that they actually have to pay attention. When somebody's whispering, you have to pay attention. And what I also loved about your book, and it's why I I encourage everybody to read it, is we are all in this together. We're all connected. So even if you're thinking, I'm good, you might have kids. You um, You might have a boss. You don't necessarily have to have a spouse or partner that's in this kind of controlling relationship with you. There are other types of relationships that you might want to look at this information and view that relationship. I think you really give a great clear diagram in a sense of what this looks for and how you can recognize it, even in your friends, family, associates lives. And colleagues, I mean, I'm making a play in the corporate world also to say, okay, if you had, you know, and we've all, I mean, I'm assuming, well, no, I know you've had jobs before. So someone comes into the office, right? And their eyes are red. And for some reason, their husband's in the parking lot again. Yeah. What's, what's, or their ex, what's really going on here? What happens typically? Everyone gets annoyed that she's not concentrating on work. She is a victim of domestic violence. So the question that I would ask is, where's the support for her? Right. And here's the other thing. You may have a, an employee who walks in very upset because for the umpteenth time, their sister was just crying on the phone while they drove into the office and she doesn't know what to do. So can you imagine if we empower the employees to get victims outside, even outside of the office help, everybody then would be calmer and at peace. But we don't know it's domestic violence and then we don't know what to do about it. We're like, well, I don't wanna get involved in their relationship or my favorite, he's such a jerk and it's none of my business because she chooses to stay. Right, and here's (laughs) the thing, coming from the corporate world, you can always reduce it down to productivity because the bottom line is if you have that, you're not going to be as productive. And if you think about it, people are not expendable. One person goes, another person comes in, they're still going, being human is messy business. (laughs) 
So there's really not a human being that you can get in your world that is not going to be encountering something, whether it's they have cancer, they have, there's something happening. So I love that you're talking to businesses because, you know, if we had a library, if we had a company that said, okay, this month we're all reading this so that we understand this next month we're reading this, right. You know? And here are the services that are available. So, you know, it's not just, oh my gosh, Amanda, you're living in in domestic violence and you need to get out. That's actually not the smartest thing you can say to a victim. So what do we say to her? And here's what we do. We continue to listen to her and we don't give up on her. You know, Mary Fran is the perfect example. That chick never freaking gave up on me as a friend. And I would call her crying. My friend Danielle, every day on the phone, this is what he's doing now. It was heartbreaking to them and traumatizing for them. So if you had um, somebody listening who is in a situation, what would be your kind of step? What should they be doing? If they're sitting and they're thinking, wow, this does sound familiar. What advice do do you have for them? So I was actually in that situation and I talk about it in the book. Um, because shortly after, about a year after I escaped, I went to go visit my daughter, uh, and something was really off with her boyfriend, like something was off. And he just, from the minute I got in the car at the airport, they picked me up, started to pick on her. And I was like, youch, like, first of all, you're supposed to be here. (laughs) Yeah. Like making me comfortable (laughs) and you really are kind of showing your ass. Like, what are you doing? You're picking on my child. This is not okay. I don't think she's perfect, but come on, dude. Like, didn't she read the book on your mom? Yes. You're her mom. So like you would think he'd be on his best behavior. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was not, which was good. Um, But you know, she lives in Florida. They did live together. His whole family is there. She's so she's isolated. All I said to Allie was he on the way back to the airport when I left, he picks on you a lot and he's pretty mean because that's what I felt that she could handle. I was sure she wasn't going to go running back to him and say, oh my God, my mom thinks you should stop pick. She was going to, you know, that was absorbable. So you really do need to know who you're talking to. And there are many things that you can do at the end of the day. The goal is to get her to call her local domestic violence center. And no one knows that this is even available do some confidential safety planning with a, with an expert there. It's the best yeah. thing that you can do. And they will be able to confirm, okay, look, this is domestic violence. There's a pattern. So let me also just back up and say this. When we talk about domestic violence, any physical abuse one time is domestic violence. That's it. It's done. When we look at psychological and emotional abuse, there is a pattern. And so a qualified domestic violence therapist can walk them through, is this a pattern? Like if you have a fight with your husband over the checkbook, well, we don't balance checkbooks anymore, but like over your credit card statement, may not be domestic violence. You guys probably need some discussions about how much you're allowed to spend, you know, how much you're each allowed to spend wherever you're shopping. But if there's a pattern of him withholding your credit card from you, or if you have to beg him for money, or if the kids' bills aren't paid on time, now we're talking about this could be abuse. And the concern is it could then start escalating. 
So, hey, Amanda, you told me last week that he was withholding the credit card. And then you told me that over the weekend, he took your cell phone because he didn't want you in touch with anybody. He wanted you all to himself. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing things. I'm a little concerned. Can we talk about it? Yeah. And, you know, that is so, is so important. That's great advice. I, I love that you are having this conversation through your book through your messaging, because that's where we have to start, especially because as you're, as you're talking and I'm processing, you know, I'm actually thinking of COVID, you know, how COVID, if you get COVID, it go, it, it internalizes differently with different people, and yes, it kind I do. Of gets, you know, and it gets in there and it might attach itself to an organ or attach itself this. And, you know, what you're making me think is that the insidious nature of psychological abuse is that it's actually reaching in like COVID and grabbing your kind of vulnerable areas and attaching itself to them. Mm -hmm. And I would just have to think that extrication would be, you know, some work at the very least, some work. And I love that you are having the conversation because that is where it all has to start, you know? Um, and Jen, I'm going to do this thing that has nothing to do with your book. <laughs> Great. What are we always... doing? <laughs> I'm going to, I do this little rapid fire thing where I just like to know what people's favorite stuff is. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. So when I say your favorite, don't get stuck on, is it really my favorite? You know, just what. <laughs> Free association. What... I'm, there. I'm with you. Association. Okay. So um, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, I love to play golf and I love to read. Oh, interesting. And what is your favorite book? Poisonwood Bible. Oh my gosh, Jen Gardella. Love that book. Read it a gazillion years ago, but it was so powerful. And yeah, it ties I, I, in. When I first read it, I was like, that was a lot of words. Yeah. Yes. which is what a book is but yeah that was a, it was for me a very I don't remember a lot of it I just remember it probably it's yeah huge impact yeah I remember that for myself too actually uh fra- favorite movie few good men well actually I have three few good okay. men wizard of oz and American president very interesting <laughs> My husband loves the Wizard of Oz too. Like just always, he never deviates. <laughs> and oh my gosh, it really is very perfect for what you're talking about too. Because it was within you all the time, you know, your you power. You have the power inside you, my dear. Click, click, click. Yes. Um, okay, your favorite destination? Skytop. What's Skytop? Skytop, it's a uh, resort in Pennsylvania. It's in the Poconos. Oh, nice. Okay. And what traits do you love in other people? Oh, wow. Honesty, integrity, and vulnerability. Love it. Like, don't get, don't come near me if you don't have them. It's just not worth it. I don't need to hear about how your life is perfect and your kid who just got busted for pot, did nothing wrong. And, you know, there are no problems. Forget it. I don't have any time for that. I love it. Well, I'm gonna stop there because that the I love those three words because I'm all about connection and right. 
you can't really connect if you're presenting this, you know, facade. Right. It's and yeah. I like I don't have time to hear about it because I know yeah. it's all fake. <laughs> exactly. And I, 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 I agree. And I think as I get older, I have even less time. I think, you know, there's something about every year that goes by. You're like, listen, I got to make the most of this life. I'm here. Let's do it. I don't have the time for this. So right. Jen, I'm so grateful. Um, do you have any other thoughts that we didn't touch on? Um, you know, we were heading down this road of what to do if you have a victim that you kind of want to support. Right. And yeah. I would also like to say there's a lot of great information online. One of the things that I published yesterday was this idea of we need to protect victims by not giving them too many words to use because narcissists in the legal system use everything against victims that they can. So don't use the word narcissist. It's not really necessary. Help her to see her way to the word abuser. He may be a raging narcissist. He may, you know, have every single trait, but we need to set her up for success, both in leaving and protecting herself. And so, you know, I would call my abuser a narcissist and he would say, oh, Dr. Gardella, are you now qualified to diagnose? And I'd hear about that for six months. So, you know, really help the victim protect herself and not get herself into more hot water. And just start, like I said, drip information to her over time. And on, on her behalf, don't get, you know, thank you, because don't give up on her. It's going to be a really long slog out. She may go back. It takes the average victim seven times to leave. And yeah. you don't, there are so many barriers in society to leaving that we can't even comprehend. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for doing the book. And <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for all your support. Thank you for listening. I hope through today's podcast, you've connected with an idea or a thought that you're able to take into your own life in a meaningful way. Um, if you like the podcast, of course, I would so appreciate it if you would give it a great rating. And I can't go without acknowledging the amazing and talented William Aronson, who gifted me with an incredible Soulful Connections theme song. He wrote it. He produced it. He recorded it and I appreciate it. Until next time, let's keep connecting.